Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you today. If we haven't met, I'm still Rob, and I'm so glad you're here. And today we are, as Derek said, concluding our Choices series. And uh, the reason that we've done this series is because we're the sum of all the choices that we've made in our life. And we've looked at this idea of choosing purpose over popularity, choosing uh, what is important over what's urgent, choosing growth over gloss, and I'm very excited because lots of people signed up to be in small groups or the disciple group experience or our student groups, and so that's a way that we're choosing growth over gloss. And last week, we talked about choosing discipline over regret, and each of these choices are important. If you missed one, you can go back to our iTunes or our website and read about it, but today, especially considering uh, the state we find our world in, Today's choice could truly transform your life. To introduce the choice, though, I need to first, first ask you a question. So we're going to put it up on the screen. Don't worry, you don't have to get up and share it, but, you know, pray that you'd actually think about it. I'd encourage you to think about it. So how often do you experience worry, anxiety, or fear? Is it... Uh, Almost never, like once a year or less, or rarely, so maybe a few times a year. Uh, sometimes, I'll say once or twice a month. Fairly often, you could say every week I experience this. Uh, regularly would be pretty much every day, and almost always would be many times throughout the day. So, if you could just like put a little finger on your, ch- like up here. If you want to be bold and just, you know, sorry all the time, but it's all right. There's no shame. We are authentic people. That's one of our values. That means that we're not perfect. Some of, some of us, 10, 10, if, oh, sorry. Yeah. I actually have gone down in this category, but uh, there's a lot of numbers out there and a lot of high numbers. And the reality is that You know, I talk to somebody in my job almost every week about fear or worry or anxiety. And with the world filled with uncertainty, uh, volatility, all the change, and and the violence that we see, I'm surprised we don't encounter more people that experience this. So if you're one of those people, first of all, truly, no shame. But it's this reality of our life. And the problem with worry, anxiety, and fear, is that it pulls us not only to take up valuable mind space, but also to be tempted to choose control rather than a life of surrender. See, if you think about your days and your your areas of your life, how many of you would say, uh, there's at least one area that I like to control? At least one. And if someone's next to you and you're like, you should really put your hand up, then you have one more area to, to, uh, you know, talk about. So when I married my wife, I'm trying to look, but uh, I I was very excited to marry her. I had no idea that she had OVD, overzealous vacuuming disorder. I mean, we're talking every day something needs to be vacuumed. Right now, currently in our home, we have four working vacuums that are all different because supposedly they all serve unique functions. 
And I, I mean, they probably do. Now, my wife not only believes in the quantity of vacuums, but she also believes in the quality of the vacuuming job. Like when you vacuum, the, especially the living room, you vacuum in straight lines. You don't make a flower pattern from the center. Like, why not? I don't know. But then you, you move furniture. Actually, you vacuum the furniture too. I mean, this is just this. I keep inviting our like, counselor friends over so that they can diagnose this, but so far, nothing. So in a spirit of transparency, I think that uh, I might have uh, an OMD, uh, overzealous mowing disorder, because the lines in the grass have to be absolutely straight. The vacuuming, not so much, not a problem for me. Flower patterns are fine. But the mowing, I've been known to go back over a row that's already been cut just to make the line straight because I got a little off, and so this is a problem for me. Uh, but it's, uh, it's okay. I'm going to be okay. Mowing, absolute problem. Vacuuming, not so much. I also have uh, BSDD, uh, backseat driver disorder. I don't know why people think I have this problem, because I only give advice when I'm sitting in the front passenger seat. Unless I'm in the back and the person is not driving in the right way or in the correct lane, or using the most optimal way, I may point out there's a better way to go. So, uh, you can pray for me. But you probably have an area too, because it, be, it could be the people who live with you, you know, your siblings or your kids, you, you like to threaten them, take something away so that you can control them, or a spouse or in a relationship person, you kind of use manipulation to get your way, or the remote control. Because it's not about what's on, it's about what's not on, or what could be on. So you use that. Or uh, anybody have to be the banker in Monopoly? Like, they just must. Or, or you, br you pull out the rules for the board game because you don't quite trust the people that said they know how to play. You just want to make sure that they're going to play correctly. Then you have some areas of control. Maybe it's work. Maybe you work for someone that says, I need it done this way, in this time, and, and if you don't do it right, I'll just, I'll just do it myself. But maybe you are that person at work. And, and there's all these areas of control, and it's fun to poke fun at them because I think it's hard for us to admit that we like control a lot of control. Especially when things seem to go out of whack in our life, then we grasp for more control. But the problem with this is that when we're trying to control something that's not ours, I would, I would submit that it's a much bigger spiritual issue. When we're trying to take control of something that is not ours, to control, we're trying to be God in that area of our life. We're trying to be like God in a way that God never intended us to be like him. It's like saying, ah, oh, thanks, but I know what's best here. I'll take care of this. And the other problem is when we try to control more things than we, we can control, then the more we're afraid of losing control, and the more we're afraid of losing control, 
the more we try to control it, and the more we try to control it, the more we're afraid of losing control, and all of a sudden, we're in this cycle of fear, and not only are we spinning in the cycle of fear, we're actually pushing ourselves further and further and further from God. Control suffocates the peace that God intended us to live with, not just for eternity, but every day of our life. I, I believe choosing surrender will bring us to the destination that we want, a destination that truly has peace, a destination that says, you know, when tragedy strikes our world, I can get up and I can still reflect the belief that God is in control of the world even when it doesn't make sense. The control that says, God, you know what's best in my life. I will look for you and I will, I will respond to you rather than having to try and initiate each of the things that I do. And I think the problem with surrender is that when we, when we think about it, it's like that horrid tasting cough medicine that you used to have as a kid. Anybody have to drink the really bad syrup, the one that is so nasty, and, and one of your parents would say, oh, I know it's going to taste bad, but it's really good for you. And you, and you put it in your mouth, and you just want to gag on it because it's so disgusting. That's what I think some of us think surrender is. It's just gross, or it's, or it's really weak. Like, I get this picture of my neighborhood friends when I was about eight or nine years old, and they would twist my arm behind my back, and they'd be like, uncle, uncle, uncle. That's what I think of surrender. Like, I'm just weak. I'm just too, I can't stand up for myself. And so we don't like surrender because we don't like weakness. Or we look at surrender, and we think, surrender's passive. Like, fine, I'm just done arguing with you, Mom. I will drink the nasty medicine. I'll just give up. But actually, what if surrender was this strong, active choice? Like surrender was this brave soldier stepping up into the king or queen's court saying, I give my allegiance to this kingdom and to justice in the world. What if surrender was like that? Because one definition of surrender actually is to abandon oneself to a greater power, whether that's an influence or an emotion or a person, to surrender oneself, to give allegiance or abandon to that greater good or that greater thing. See, that's the surrender that I'm talking about. And actually, I think that's the surrender that Jesus hints at when he tells, when the disciples ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. So you might have heard this as the Lord's Prayer. I actually think maybe a better title for it would be the Prayer of Surrender. So it's from Luke 11. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 10. It says, One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And so he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, or our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus then said to them, suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to that friend in midnight, and you say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine has come on a journey, and I have no food to offer them. And remember, in the ancient world, there's not like a quick trip or some store that's open at all hours of the night, so you go to the friend's house. And suppose that friend inside answers, don't bother me. All the doors are locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I'd rather have comfort or security or safety or control. That's what that person is saying. I tell you, Jesus says, that even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, but because of your shameless audacity, the vulnerability and boldness of you making that request, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. One who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Why is it so hard to ask? See, I think that this is called the prayer of surrender because when we call out our Father or our Father in heaven, we're, may your name be holy, we're acknowledging God's power. We're acknowledging his authority. When we say our Father in heaven, we are saying that God is so other, he's so much higher, his ways are not ways that we understand. We're acknowledging that things can happen in the world and he can use them for good and we can't figure them out. And that's part of putting us in our place and leaving God in his place. To say your name is holy is to surrender to that authority and acknowledge that power. To ask for this bread for today or this bread for tomorrow, to ask for forgiveness, to ask for guidance to avoid temptation is to say, God, I need your provision. To surrender to the fact that God knows our needs and he's the one who provides them. We we see that God had to feed Jesus in the wilderness. And God's people, Moses and the Israelites, as they walked through the wilderness, they needed to cry out to God for, for food, and he gave them food. And there are times in our life that feel like a wilderness where we don't know where we're going, where we don't understand where we've been. And in those times, we need to ask God to feed us, not just physical food, but spiritual food. Relational food, sustenance, and strength, no matter how much food we have in our refrigerator. We need to ask for God's strength because we need deliverance from the evil one. Ephesians tells us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities and against all the powers in the spiritual realm. And the bad news is that bad things happen. I know that's super profound. But the good news is, God says that when we receive his spirit, that the greater is the spirit that is in us than the spirit that is in the world. It's like going into a dark room and feeling overcome by darkness and going into a dark room and having a flashlight and being able to turn it on. Now all of a sudden, the room's not so dark anymore. Well, the spirit that is in us is like lighting that room in all of the darkness 
that everywhere we walk, that's, that spirit gives that light. But we need that from God, not from ourselves. And, and we need God's sight to see people as he sees them. To say, our father is to acknowledge that God has other kids. So when we're like, oh, I just really want to see God right now, we have to acknowledge that seeing God does not mean putting blinders on to only see him. He sees all his children, and if he's our father, it means those other children are our brothers and sisters. They're our neighbors. They're people that we look out for as well, and we need God's help to see that. It's a prayer that's spoken in community for a community. Give us, lead us, forgive us. It's not individual And finally, I think to agree with your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is this part of surrender to say, God, I yield myself, I abandon myself to your priorities. Your kingdom is more important than my kingdom. So that starts with us saying, I like my kingdom. I've been known to still play with Legos, full disclosure. Okay? They, they say they're a building system for lots of ages. It says three to 99 on some of the boxes I buy. But it does. But we, meaning my kids if they'll play with me, or I, will build these giant cities on our old ping pong tables. And we'll const- try to construct bridges that go over the top. And it's actually quite a proper metaphor for what I try to do in my life. I try to build these little kingdoms that I can control. I think at work, we're rewarded if we do this. At home, sometimes we reward each other if we do this. But the reality is to say, God, your kingdom come, may your will be done, is to say, I need to set my kingdom aside and I need to look to yours. The purposes that you did, the life that you lived, the mission that you did, Jesus, that is the one that I want to come. That is ultimately better than the one that I will bring. And I need your strength to do that. Jesus said, I do nothing that I don't see the Father already doing. I can do nothing on my own accord. That's the surrender. But when we do that, it gives us actual energy to do things that we can do. See, when we try to control stuff that we can't control, it, it's, it's really pointless. It drains our energy and the power that we have to do things. But when we say, God, you control this, I surrender to this, it actually gives us energy. It's an active, active choice. And it's, it's what we see Jesus doing all throughout his life, moment by moment with his Father. And it's what he invites us to when we choose surrender. So really practically, how does this work? Uh, well, I want you to think for a moment about something that you like to control or you're trying to control. You don't have to tell anyone, but I encourage you to use the back of your worship folder to write it down. Uh, think about it, name it, write it down. For for the, like the first thing that I remembered when I thought about this was when my wife and I were married like weeks and we would grab the toothpaste and some of you know where this is going. 
and one of us would do it the right way. We'd push from the bottom up because it would maximize the toothpaste and it would look better when you pulled it out. It was really easy because it was right there. And the other one of us would just grab the middle and squeeze and be like, it's fine because there, you just squeeze. And then when it's done, it's done. And for, for weeks, we fought about the toothpaste. Praise God that we were in a small group somewhere at a church and someone's like, why don't you just buy two pa- two pa- tubes of toothpaste? Ah! And, and then one of us surrendered to just squeezing. Um, and that's okay, because I don't worry about it anymore. And maybe we get a little less toothpaste. So that's mine. That's one of mine. But I have others. Did you write it down? Or are you like, I'm not going to write it down? Then you're just proving my point that you want to be in control, by the way. It could be your future. You could be trying to control something at school. Uh, you could have a teacher that you're just like, ah, drives me crazy. Why not give them a hug around their neck? Um, that's, we don't like violence. You're trying to control your finances. You are trying to control your friends or your image or your marriage or your work situation, your coworkers. You're, you're, you're concerned about the way that your kids eat their food or how much they eat or how much protective equipment they wear when they ride their bike around the block on the sidewalk. Maybe because you never stop being a parent, maybe you're an adult of adult children and you're watching them make poor choices and now you have less say in their life, and so it brings you anxiety. These are all things that you can bring to God. I, I think there are, I mean, the writer has purpose in what they write and where they put it. They're inspired by God, but I don't think it's a fluke that the, the story that's right before the prayer of the Lord's, the Lord's Prayer here is right after Jesus has been talking to these two sisters Mary and Martha, and he says to Martha, 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 you're worried and upset about many things, but only one is needed. You're you're trying to control too much stuff. Now, here's a prayer, I'll, I'll say a prayer of surrender. It's an active prayer, not a passive one. So the first question to ask yourself, whatever that thing that you wrote down is, is it worth my concern? Is it worth trying to control this? Is it worth worrying about? Is it worth stressing over? Like, ah, two bo- bottles of toothpaste. Or, or okay, it's going to be okay if my kids don't wear knee pads when they ride their bikes and they scrape something. It's, it's going to be okay. They might learn because they're not listening to me. Or, or the grass can be a little bit shorter and a little bit browner and it will be okay. Or it can be a little bit longer and a little bit greener. It's going to be okay. Or your kids leave the house wearing something that completely doesn't match at all and you're worried about what people think of you. It's going to be okay. Is it worth the concern? If you are leading in some way at work or if you are developing growing people, Uh, Someone told me this, you can have control or you can have growth, but you can't have both. Do you want the person to grow and become the person that God 
already sees them as, or do you want to try and control everything they do and they just get stymied and they, they shrivel because you want control? Because you can have control and you can have growth, but you can't have both. Is a relationship. In, in a relationship, you can have control or you can have closeness, but you can't have both. If you're someone who loves to have the towels folded a certain way and when anyone else does it, you freak out at them, uh, you can have control or you can have closeness, but you can't have both because if the person does it wrong and you get mad at them and they do it wrong again and you get mad at them, guess what? They'll just, they, they might do it, but they'll start to pull away from you because they'll think more about how can I not get yelled at, and this goes for adults or children, <laughs> uh, versus how can I do the towels right? And if these are little people in your house, my, my older adult friends tell me that you can control it, but in 10 years, you'll have perfect towels, but they just won't come back and use them. You can have closeness or you can have control, but you can't have both. Is it worth my concern? Second question, is it mine to control? Is this mine to control? Do I need to do something about this? Sometimes the answer is actually yes. Because there's a difference between surrendering to control and relinquishing responsibility. Sometimes we're in situations where God does want us to do something. He, he asks us to have a childlike faith, but he doesn't want us to stay childish. He wants a mature person who can ask for what they need. Jesus says that in this story. Ask for what you need. Ask for what you need. Those who ask will get received. Those who seek will find. It's not like God's not a drive-through and we can just order, but he wants to name what we need. That's part of maturing in life. I was talking to someone yesterday, and uh, they were a couple who had gotten into some pretty bad debt. They were spending more than they were making, which is usually not good, and then they were maxing out their credit cards, and then they had a medical bill that just about bankrupt them. And so that was the thing that took them to surrender to a debt collector and a financial planner to let someone else tell them how to do their money. And then when they told them, then they did it. They took responsibility, and they started working it. And you should have seen the pride and the strength in this person's face when they were like, we made some mistakes, and we're working our way back out. Is it mine to control? If a relationship is rocky and you burn some bridges, maybe it's time to do some hard prayer and ask God to change your heart. Maybe it's time to build bridges back to the person. You might need to do something about it. But if it's not yours to control, then you have to ask this third question. Is this for God alone? Is this for God alone? The first one, is it worth my concern? Second one, is it mine to control? And the third one is, is this for God alone? Because like we already said, if you're trying to control something that's only God's to control, you're wasting energy and you're actually sinning against him. I sin against him when I do this. When you surrender to God's control, you're saying, I trust you. You're saying, I need your presence. I want your presence and you're a good God. You're a good God. We, you're a good father. We sang about this. 
I need your provision in my life. You know better what I need than what I think I need. And I surrender to your protection. God says he's our shield. God says he's our fortress. God says he's the one that will protect us. When I surrender to what I can't control, now I'm actually energized to work at what I can. Then I can walk into those situations in my life and I can be a light. I can bring hope. I can give peace. Can I control my kid's future? No, but can God? Absolutely. When I surrender to that, I actually can pray for that. Can God change my spouse to push from the bottom? God bless her, but no, God could. I'm just going to decide that one's not worth my concern. Okay, so, but this works in so many ways. If someone in your life is, needs healing, there's things they can do. They can eat healthy. They can go to good doctors. If it's chemo, they can get chemo. But can God heal? Absolutely. And when I surrender to that, I am now free to have the peace and the trust and the joy that God wants for us. He loves us way more than we realize. Surrender is not some arm-wrenching, like, oh, fine. It's more like God opening up his arms as we're learning to ride a bike that he just brings home. It's brand new. And it requires this trust, like, because I could fall over. But not only does God push us off and let us start pedaling, he then runs in front of us and catches us so that we don't fall. That's what it's like to surrender to the one who loves us. Would you pray with me? God, you're a good father. Even if we've had lots of bad examples of father, you are a good father. I pray that you would speak to us, Holy Spirit, that you would draw us close and that you would bring to mind things that we are trying to control in our life. God, I pray that we would recognize those things. And when we're focusing on something that is not really our concern, that really doesn't matter, God, I pray that you would just give us the wisdom to let it go. And when, God, when we're worried about something that we should do something about, I pray that you would give us the strength and the courage to do something, to act swiftly and act justly and act wisely in what you do want us to step up to. And God, in all the areas that we're trying to control that are really only yours alone to control, I pray that you would give us the courage to surrender. God, that we wouldn't be believing these half-truths like the guy in the story who said, I'm in bed, the doors are locked, I have my food, I don't want to share. We were, we're worried about security, we're worried about safety, we're worried about comfort. God, these are not things that you ask us to worry about. They are half-truths, they're deceptions. You're the one who gives us security. You're the one who will ultimately give us comfort. You're the one who will ultimately have control of the world. And so, God, when we surrender to you, when we offer to you what we need, when we give and share with others, that's when we find true peace. God, I believe that there are people today that are holding on to something that they are not supposed to be holding on to. And I pray that they could say, I trust you with this, God. I give this to you. You're the one who, who knows best what to do. 
You're the one who has the power to do it. You're the one who has the strength and the resources. So God, help me to give that over, to give myself to your priorities, to worry more about your kingdom, to work more in your kingdom, and to see good in this world come from your strength and your resurrection power and your Holy Spirit. And God, ultimately, to find true peace, we need to surrender to your son to say, I cannot live this life on my own, but Jesus, you're the one who lived this life perfectly, and we killed you for it, and you rose from the dead. Death could not hold you. You conquered death. You conquered evil. God, and you, you, you succeeded at life. We trust you, God. I surrender myself to you. I'm no longer in your control, God. I'm, never let me say that you're my co-pilot. You're in control. Help me be a good passenger in this way of life that we not only get freedom in this, we find adventure and redemption and restoration and boldness and joy.